because I was waiting for you to do one on type sixes so I could learn more about myself. And here you are. <laughs> and here I am. Going to learn today. Well, listen, you know what's funny? When I thought about you two together, Neil said, you know what? Lisi and Christy are a lot alike. I said, I know. I've never thought of that, but they are. So this is going to be interesting to see. That's awesome. Hello and welcome to the Nefesh Sesh podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Kathy. Nefesh, which is the title of our show, is an extension of a few of our favorite things that we like to do together as friends. We like to study the Bible together and learn as much as we can about how to become healthier humans so that we can better love the other humans in our lives. We invite you to join us as we learn and practice. The music that you hear in the background is from our friends, the Shira Brothers. You can find their music on Apple Music, Spotify, or Amazon Music. You can also follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Shira Brothers. continuing our conversation on Enneagram types and friendships with two of our friends that are Enneagram type sixes. So uh, we're excited to talk with them about uh, just their world and how they think and how they relate to people. Uh, So we're so glad to have Lizzie and Christy with us today to give us an insight on what it's like to be a six and how we can love them better. So just a few basics about Enneagram type sixes. They're called the loyalists. Their orientation to time is the present. Think a lot about the present. Their passion is fear or anxiety. Uh, Their wings on either side are type five and type seven. Their need is to be secure. And then in security, they're moving more towards like a type nine energy. And in non-security or stress, they're moving towards a type three. And finally, their lost childhood message uh, that they're longing to hear is you are safe. So additionally, I have a fun fact about sixes. There are more Enneagram six types in the world than any other number. They have a very strong need for order and are committed workers and loyal friends. They will often doubt themselves and will look to others to help them make decisions. They'll look to family, to co-workers, to friends, whoever they can find to help them make decisions. But they typically have a committee or a core group of people that they like to consult over and over again to help them make decisions. Um, Enneagram sixes as children possibly could have felt like they had an unstable environment, which might have triggered the anxiety and the fear. And this is really interesting about sixes. I don't have COVID even though I'm. (laughs) Um, Sixes have some confusion between thinking and acting. They can think and think and think and think so much that they think they've actually acted upon something. So um, if you propose an idea to a six, They're great to have as problem solvers and and be on your team as problem solvers because if you propose an idea to them, they will question you about absolutely everything about that idea to help flesh that out. Um, And they make wonderful friends that are very compassionate and empathetic because if an Enneagram type six asks you how you're doing, 
they're the people that really listen to what you say when they ask you that. So we love the Enneagram so much because we get an inside out view of our people and it just brings so much compassion and understanding to our relationships. So I want to introduce our guests to you, Christy and Lizzie. Christy and Lizzie, um, one of you go first. You decide. Tell us your name, your family situation, a little bit about what you do. And if you don't mind, um, if you'll tell us about what your wing is. Lizzie, you can go first. All right. Well, I'm Lizzie. I'm 27. I am married with no kids, kind of newly married, only been married uh, two years. I have several dogs. Um, I'm a full-time ag teacher. I also do some landscape design on the side of that. Uh, and I found out about the Enneagram when I, is that, are we on that question? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. yeah. Tell us about that and tell us your wing. Yes. Okay. So I found out about the Enneagram when I was only 19, actually. Um, like kind of a mentor, sixth thing, uh, was learning about it in her Bible study. And I just read through all of her notes that she had taken and sixes were the last one. And I immediately knew that was me. Uh, and I would say for most of my life, I lean on the seven wing more so than the five wing. My mom is a seven and I kind of think that that plays into that too. It was really easy for me to pick up on her energy and that is a short summary. Yeah. And I know you, you definitely have a strong seven wing. <laughs> Lizzie's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, Christy. I'm Christy. I am not 27. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have four kids and I'm divorced. I'm also a teacher, just uh, started teaching fourth grade again this year. And I had previously been in fifth grade, but I'm enjoying the change. And I found out about the Enneagram from school. We had to take this at one of our faculty meetings. And my wing is a seven. Yeah. You know, Christy, I think too, well, both of you, I really think both of you have a strong five wing too. I mean, just because you're both so analytical at times. Uh, but so Suzanne Stabile, like she's one of my really great friends. <laughs> I wish. Um, she says that she proposes that you have a wing that's stronger than the other, kind of like the first half of your life, whatever midlife is for you. Cause she says midlife can be different ages for different people. It can even be in your early thirties. So she says you have one that's dominant the first half, and then you have the other wing that's more dominant in, in the last half. So I don't know. I don't know. So what do you value most in relationships? Um, I guess I'll go first again. I would say the number one thing that I value in a relationship is uh, being genuine. I hate to say loyalty because it's so cliche for a six, but loyalty is definitely at the top. Um, But I can tell really quickly if somebody is genuine or not. And I really value friendship 
that is genuine, even if that means it's not always easy. So what does that look like for you? <sighs> to me, that's when, okay, so Kathy mentioned earlier that when a six asks how you're doing, they really mean it. Sometimes you have people in your life who ask how you're doing, but it's only because they're waiting for you to ask back mm -hmm. how they're doing. And that, I, it really bothers me when people, you can tell they're already waiting to answer you when you're having a conversation with them. I also, um, I just think that when you let people in and to like your real personality and not necessarily the personality you put on for the world, that's what I value most in a friendship. Yeah. Genuineness, being genuine. I, I, I don't like when people are fake and lots of times you can pick up on somebody who's being fake really, or I can really quickly just by their, their body language when they're talking to you. And, um, and so I've caught my, I guess sometimes I'm really naive in relationships to where I automatically, because I know people can trust me. I think I can automatically trust them and how I'm going to treat them. I assume they're going to treat me the exact same way. And I have found out several times that is not the case. And um, so I guess what I would value most would be somebody who's genuine and somebody who's trustworthy. So let me ask you this. So when you figure out, okay, they're not as genuine as I thought they would, how do you react to that then? Being loyal, if six being, being loyal, how do you react to that? Well, I'm sitting here thinking about my answer because I'm analyzing my thoughts here. If you were to ask me this question like 22, 23 years ago, I'd have a totally different answer as what I'd have now. So I've got all this life experience and things that have happened that caused me to have a different answer. Like in relationships 20 something years ago, having fun would have been my number one priority, how I feel when I'm around you and kind of just like the emotional high that you get off having fun being around certain people. Um, and now that's, that's not as important <laughs> as what it used to be. So, um, there's been people that I've had them off that I just kind of disconnect from because I'm thinking, you know, it's not worth the investment. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. So Lizzie, how do you, how do you, um, so if you sense that that genuineness is not there, tell me what you do about it. So I used to be very much a bridge burner. Like once, once that discovery has been made, um, I'm out and not having always made the best or wisest choices in doing so. I'm sure I probably, you know, hurt people in those actions. Um, now, as I have learned more about myself, uh, I'm definitely trying to not just immediately cut all ties and decide that they're a horrible person <laughs> and, you know, really try to dig into, well, okay, why are they that way? Or what about mm -hmm. their life or their Enneagram member or their experiences has made them that way? But it does make me much more cautious because like you just said, 
I used to be all in the beginning. Like I was so trustworthy yeah. of everybody. And now I definitely think I've learned you don't have to cut people off, but you also don't have to invest all of your like emotional energy into them. Yeah. Just take a step back maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So you said investment earlier, Christy, mm-hmm. when investment, does that mean time, energy, emotional investment? Tell me what, what you mean by investment? Uh, for me, I think it would probably be an emotional investment. Um, it, but it could have, could be any of them. Um, I just think that if I, if I'm going to give you my loyalty, I want it in return. And I guess I've got this set of rules in my head or these parameters for friendship. And if you and I are friends, then I'm going to give you X, Y, and Z every time I see you, every time I'm around you, kind of like what you see is what you get. And I'm an open book. And if, um, I think that's an investment. I tell you any of my good secrets, that's an investment, you know, (laughs) yeah, I've got lots of good juicy secrets. (laughs) Not really. Um, (laughs) But you know, we joke about doing another version of this, you know, where we share all that. So you're welcome to come back. Yeah. Okay. Gone wild. Fish <laughs> after dark. Yeah. After dark. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Aristotle proposed that there's three types of friendship: utility friends, pleasure friends, and then what he calls perfect or good friends. And so utility friends, you know, are just what they sound like people to have around to meet your, you know, to do things for you and vice versa. You could have that kind of like transactional relationship where, um, you know, that might be parents of kids who are, you know, friends or things like that, where um, you're, you're taking care of kids or neighbors um, or work friends. Um, so they have your back if needed, but they want those kind of conveniences in return. So that's, that's utility friends. The second type is pleasure friends. So friends that you, you know, just what it sounds like that you have fun with, you go out with, um, but don't really have anything, you know, deeper than that with. Uh, so that could be childhood friends, um, people that you're in proximity with, you know, um, uh, and that could be based on your season of life too. Christy, you talked about that was much more a priority, you know, earlier on for you in, in the beginning of adulthood. Um, so then, then perfect or good friends are typically people that both of you kind of have the same values, same virtue. Um, there's more of an unconditional love there and, um, you're interested in the well being of others without a return. And so I just wonder first kind of, can you tell us what, which of those three is kind of like your priority that could be based on your season of life or, uh, based on you being a six. So can you, can you talk to us about that a little bit? I kind of think all three of them are a priority. Um, definitely the, uh, the good and perfect friends, you know, if you can count how many you have on one hand, you've got plenty. I've got some friends that I've had since elementary school. And any time of day, any time of the year, I mean, we can go maybe a year without seeing each other, but I'll call them and 
we'll just pick right up where we left off. It's like, we've not skipped a beat. Um, and then I think there's a, there's a group of friends, you know, you're going to call whenever you want to go out and have fun or when you just want to sit around and chit chat and have a good time. Um, and then work friends. I mean, I think, I definitely think there's, I can see having a set of friends and it's gotten more defined the older I've got um, or gotten. And I think I'm finally getting to where I think that's okay. I don't have to be best friends with everybody everywhere. What about you, Lizzie? Yeah, I didn't ever really think of that in six terms until Christy just said that about all of them being important. But it goes back to that like community and group of people that I especially go to for just advice or just to hear their opinions about things. And I want somebody from each of those categories mm-hmm. on your committee. It solidifies that decision making like, okay, well this person really knows me and this person kind of knows me and this is what they think about it. Mm-hmm. But I had not thought about that until just now when Christy said that. Yeah, interesting. And something Kathy and I talked about was that, you know, perfect and good friends should also be pleasure friends. Like, you should also be able to have, and sometimes they're going to be utility friends, right? Yeah. So I don't think that, you know, it's that clean cut. But I can think about people, you know, in my life who fit into one just one of those categories. Um, You said, I think there's a place for all of those for sure. That same mentor in college described something similar. It was friends for a reason, friends for a season and friends for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of held that ever since I was, you know, a freshman in college that it's okay that not everybody is your friend for a lifetime. Yeah. I think we probably, anticipate that we want that and then maybe feel when that doesn't happen well what have I done wrong or at least I kind of go there you know well, why am I not a good perfect friend or you know but yeah I love that that you've both kind of come to that revelation that it's okay you know that you don't have to be and you know in this you this time changes too you know, friends just kind of just fall off. Yeah. You know, you don't connect with them as much for, for, you know, different reasons. I don't know. Just your paths change. It's really. Well, I've always thought that anytime I've had a need in my life, God will bring somebody into my life that fits that need and that purpose for a little while, as long as I need them. And then that's when they just, we kind of go our separate ways. And it's not like we never got mad at each other. It's just something that happened or you don't talk as often, or you like never see each other anymore. Like I had a friend I went to college with at MTSU and we rode together. We were great friends. And then she got a job. I got a job and we just never talked anymore. Yeah. So is that, I I would imagine that like as loyal as you are, that that like transition out of a friendship would be really difficult. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Can y'all speak to that a little bit? Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes, like if I've 
friends with somebody and I've really thought they were a good and perfect friend. And then they proved that they were not a good and perfect friend. Yes. I have a hard time with that. It like cuts me to the core. And then I've got to put my big girl pants on and think, all right, you should have saw this coming. Get on with it. (laughs) So maybe not the best attitude to have. No. And I think I wonder too, if I, leaned heavier on the five or like didn't have a seven as a parent that if that would look different for me too, because I, I mean, maybe I've just been lucky in my friendship experiences, but that's really only happened maybe once or twice where I had a friend that I genuinely thought was, you know, in it the same way I was. And then they weren't but it's always been kind of easy for me to let go. What hasn't been easy is when I'm in a new situation or a new place, I've moved pretty regularly for the last eight years ish. And so when I'm somewhere new, especially when I moved to Tennessee and I had no one, that was way more difficult for me than losing friends, having to rely on myself and only my own thoughts and decisions. That's a good point because sometimes when I feel like I am totally alone, like not having a group of friends, I kind of panic on the inside just a little bit. It's like, I, I, I want to have a posse. <laughs> for support? For that like, yeah. committee or what? Well, to ask questions to really that's what it boils down to like if I have a question and I need some consulting I want to have a group of people to go to and ask questions and they're going to give me honest answers mm-hmm. oh I can see that in both of you so much <laughs> <laughs> this in conversation with both of y'all it's mostly filled with questions yeah and never necessarily expecting an answer not always expecting you to have an answer for every question, just somebody or to listen to talk the through your thoughts. Yes. yes. Yeah. You know what though? So this is so funny. So when I ask each of you a question, like just, a, I expect that you're going to know the answer. Like and whatever you tell me is going to be accurate and that I can depend on whatever your answer is. I mean, you could tell me a bunch of hogwash and I would totally believe it because, well, I don't know if it's because y'all are that convincing or. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that plays into like, some people say that sixes are kind of cynical. Like I, I wonder if we, I don't know. It's such a weird conundrum of being completely trusting but also very doubtful. Well, if there's ever anything that I wonder and I don't have anybody to ask, I, I have to go look and find the answer. So I do it. I make fun and I call it research. It's really, it's, it's kind of wasting time because <laughs> my dad always made fun of me for having useless knowledge. And I can remember when we would drive in the car, would say, Hey, you know what? Blah, blah, blah he was a DJ and he would use his radio voice and he goes, and folks, that's been another useless fact with Christy. So, I mean, I've, I've always been full of it. Just whatever I enjoy, whatever I'm interested in, I want to go find out more and more and more. So I have a repertoire of randomness. 
Yeah. So when you think about your friends that you have on your committees, do, are they made up, are they made up of different Enneagram types? And I know we're not supposed to type other people and maybe you know their types, but if you think about that, are they made up of different Enneagram types or do you have friends that are like mostly the same type or do you gravitate towards a certain type? Well, I know I really like to have friends that have strong suits where I'm weak. Like I know the order I really want things to be in, but I, uh, I struggle with getting it there. And I, lots of times I have these really, really big ideas and I have trouble with follow through. So I like to have a friend that has that follow through so I can give them my idea and then they actually like put it to work. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, okay. So can you speculate what type of number that might be? I don't know. Most of them are very industrious, um, achievers, very goal oriented people. So I don't know what number that would be. Huh? Maybe threes, maybe ones. That's interesting. So, um, I think you took a spiritual gift survey for us. Um, I did. Can you tell us kind of what your top, listed ones were and if you think that's maybe if you, if you felt like that was related to your type if you well my like number one was faith um and i i i was happy with that um i know that it, i'm sorry george michael is going through my head right now you gotta have faith the faith the faith yes um there's just been some things in life that I, you know, I'm not sure that I could have gotten through without faith and without God. Um, and I, in retrospect, I know I have leaned a lot more on God than what I realized at the time. So, um, yeah, faith, I, I thought, okay, I answered that right then. I got it right. My number two was miracles and number three was healing. And I really don't know what to say about those because I don't, I don't really want to, I know uh, Kathy said earlier that miracles was just recognizing, yes, that miracles can happen and understanding, yeah, that, yep, that's a miracle. And I, I can remember different times in my life where I have actually had that thought when I've witnessed something or saw something or kept from having a wreck or something like that on the interstate whenever you just you see, see there's no way out and you just squeeze through two hours or something like that. That was a miracle. Um, for a second, I thought it meant that I could perform miracles. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that's an untapped talent. <laughs> untapped talent. So yeah. I have a theory about this that I just thought of live. live. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> going to be good. So my theory is because you guys as sixes are playing out the potential of danger or the potential of what happened. Like in, you know, if you're seeing something happen where a wreck might occur and, and, and you kind of played out in your head, you know, if this had gone, 
you know, one way this would have happened and could have been disastrous. And so you can recognize, unlike some of the rest of us, how there might have been some intervention there or a miracle because that didn't happen. Because you, you, you can kind of play out, this is what should have happened. You know, I think that's a sixth brain. I think that's almost specific to a sixth brain. Could you call that a sixth sense? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, we're going we're gonna to steal that, Christy. Okay. <laughs> sixth sense. Oh, gosh. Sense. Never heard that before. That was a movie. It was a movie. A good movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. Right. I don't know if my theory holds, but Lizzie, go ahead and tell us your spiritual gifts and then Okay. I don't remember my third one. My top two were exhortation and wisdom. Mm. Mm. Wasn't so we had Lizzie's mom on for our sevens and I believe those were yes. her top two, which yes. is really neat. Yes. That is really Are you sure you didn't just call her? <laughs> I swear. Uh, I, and I remember laughing because like nobody can see this, but um my therapist did this activity where you had to pick words from a list that like you resonated that resonated with you. And it started with like a hundred and something words and you narrow it down to three. And my top three words were uplift inspire and radiance so when exhortation which was like all about uplifting and inspiring was my number one I was like yep yeah, well and I actually have them tattooed on my arm those three words so that definitely cool. fit okay so we always end with this question how have you been brave or courageous lately tell us something you've done that's been brave or courageous lately well, I had a friend that asked me to be on a podcast, and I said yes. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty darn brave. Yeah. That's awesome. What about you, Lizzie? Um, I have recently, I'm tapping into my, my uh, three, my stress move here by taking on a lot of jobs. <laughs> and... Uh, I have recently decided that I'm going to be doing some event coordinating for a new venue um, where I teach and I don't have any professional experience with it. It's just something I've been passionate about and I didn't ask anybody. <laughs> I just decided I want to do this and I'm not going to get everybody's opinion. And oh, wow. that's, that's something I'm working on is trying to refer to my committee a little less. Like they can't be everywhere at once, you know? Yeah. That's gotta be really liberating for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of like, heck yeah, I did that. It has been. And I, I've been, um, having to be confrontational, which I am also not used to, not in a negative way, just, making sure my ideas are heard and that's not something that happens easily to me. Mm. So tell me what's prompted that growth, Lizzie? <sighs> Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little bit a combination of going through some hardship in my closest relationship, my marriage, and coming out on the other side of that. I think therapy definitely helped. Uh, just being somewhere new where I don't have a strong committee. And I've always been somebody who took opportunities that were in front of me. Um, I just did it a little more hesitantly and more timid. Yeah. And I think I just kind of am in a place in my life now where, I mean, I know the worst thing that happens is that it, it's not going to work out and I'll still have, you know, a career and a husband and I've already planned all the worst case scenarios in my head. Yeah, that's great. You know, and both of you are so confident, but not arrogant at all. Thank you. Thanks. And that's very refreshing. You know, that's really refreshing. You, you do, you handle that so gracefully. That confidence is handled with a lot of grace. So. Thank you. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, it was really brave for you to agree to do this. Really <laughs> yeah, thank you for indulging your pleasure, friend. I'm not saying you're not a pleasure friend. I was just trying to figure out where I fit. <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of a friend I am. I'm working on being a perfect and good friend. It's hard. It's hard. Keep working. But thank you guys so much. We love both of y'all. And um, it was a pleasure just to get to talk to y'all, even if we weren't recording. So uh, we really appreciate it. And so next up on our next episode, we'll be talking with type fives, which we're really excited about. And uh, we're doing some research on what each Enneagram type does for rest or what each Enneagram type does that is restful for them. And so we're going to put a poll over on Instagram and we would love for all of you that are listening to go over there and let us know your Enneagram type and what you find that's restful. That's going to help us in some future stuff that we're going to be sharing. And so we would love for you to do that. So everybody go be brave, brave just today, and we will see you next time. There's a land